Welcome to you, Josie and Johnny are having a baby with, with you. you. I'm Josie Long. I'm Johnny Donahue. We are a pair of comedians and writers and general creative hustlers mm. who live in London, Ontario. London, England. London, England. You, you made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what Google Maps tries to tell me. Um, and we are a couple as well. We are. Twist. We live together. We do. Um, and we're, we're the baby that we've made is ours. We are expecting a child. Yes. That was a very interesting... Weird, we, listen, we live together, we laugh together, we love together. Ooh. <laughs> Josie and Johnny are having a baby. <laughs> seen those, like those awful signs. My mum's got one of those up in her bathroom. What does it say? A home is not a home without a dog. Nice. That's that's a good... She's not got a dog anymore. Well, not anymore. So she's got a sign in her house saying, this house is no longer a home. <laughs> Apparently so. But I, mean, so. I think she's going to get another dog. She's between dogs. Well, she ought to put up a poster saying, the home is technically a home, but will improve soon. Yeah. That's a nice I think my mum should just have a thing up that says, I love dogs. That's, <laughs> that's what she's thinking. So we live, we laugh, <laughs> and we love together. And we're expecting a baby sooner than we thought. And we haven't got a clue. We need advice. And yeah. we're asking people that we know who are brilliant creatives, brilliant performers, musicians, writers. Uh, but we're not asking them about that. We're asking them about the fact that they're also parents yeah. and for their parenting advice. Today we're speaking with a friend of ours who is my favourite comedian in the world. I think he's the funniest, silliest, most interesting, imaginative comedian alive. Uh, Eugene Merman, who you will know as the voice of Gene from Bob's Burgers. You might have seen him live. He's had all kinds of specials. He's been in Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. He's got his own storytelling podcast called Hold On. Hold On, yep. It's, he's Absolutely. I cannot recommend his work enough, whatever you find you'll love. And um, we interviewed him as well. His situation was quite different to us in a way because him and his wife used surrogacy to conceive and because his wife had been ill. And so we talked to him about that because it's so interesting to see a different perspective yep. to ours. We have our one goofy perspective on this. Sure. And um, also, yeah, also it was, it was just really great to talk to him about fatherhood and being a creative around fatherhood. And um, his attitude to parenting is very loving and laid back as mm. well, I think. And that was so useful to hear. He's a, yes, he, uh, that's quite inspirational, actually. Um, we spoke to him down the line uh, on the on the old electric telephone. Uh, <laughs> um, and so uh, I apologise if it's at all crackly. I mean, if anything, I mean, I shouldn't apologise. It's incredible. You can talk from Britain to America. <laughs> what I like Amazing. is you have quite an old-timey voice. I do. So. so it was quite fun just to hear you go, and in these days we could speak to somebody in America. That's not how I say <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> You, well, you sound like a sort of chimney sweep. No, from... I, yeah, my normal voice is a, is an 18th century chimney sweep. But you're poshing it up for, I was um, it up, yeah. for radio, whereas I, I'm, am I poshing it down? <laughs> I don't think, I think I'm just, just how I sound. Poshing it down with Johnny Donahoe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I really hope you enjoy our chat. We did, um, 
he's a really cool, interesting man. How was it going from Brooklyn to a seaside town <laughs> that you weren't living in before? We would. It was a seaside town that we got married in, in a place that we would visit frequently. And we had bought a house there. So it, it really made sense. Everything we did, it was obviously much quieter than, than Brooklyn. But the truth is, the big change is that you, there's a child and that you have to be the child. And so, like, <laughs> you know, I get up with him. I would get up with him in the mornings. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of things that I would do in Brooklyn, I wasn't sort of wouldn't be doing anyway. Our friend Bridget um, said it was really important that they stayed in London. And she's just like, what have we stayed here for? You know, we, we, we can't, we don't go out and have that life anymore because we have kids. I mean, what are we here for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine if you can or want to. I mean, for us, we wanted to be closer to friends and family mm. uh, and also just have more space, you know, which, which worked out very well. We also had a child through a surrogate in like Maryland and drove home for like 12 hours <laughs> or like we stopped in New York on the way. But like, you know, once he was like two or three days old, we went on a drive that is probably bigger than the size of your country. Also, Maryland in Britain, there's a uh, brand of cookie. Yeah. Well, we drove from a brand of cookie to our home. <laughs> but yeah, we had this baby that we were... <laughs> and, and actually, Katie's friend came to, to help for, for a few weeks. So it was really great because she had had a child. And then we had basically we had we had probably what you're doing, which is lots of people giving us uh, solid advice. You had your baby with a surrogate. Yes. So it was actually our embryo, meaning, you know, we that there was a surrogate that carried the child and then gave birth. And we were in the room and it was, yeah, a crazy but sort of amazing experience. I'm afraid I'm so outside of knowledge of that world because I've never had to think about it, which I feel slightly ashamed of. But I don't know how easy that is to do or how you go about it. It's a sort of it's a long process. We basically it was because we needed to basically because my wife is is ill, and so we wanted to have a child. And then the way that we could do this was through a surrogate, right? Um, and so we found like a. Um, basically a, a, a company that, or like an organization that helps match people with surrogates. And it was sort of like a, you know, a two year process or whatever. On video Skype, we met this woman and her husband, like that this organization set up and we're kind of talking about different contingencies and how many like embryos you would maybe carry or how it all. So it's like, it is a very sort of intense thing. Hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, but it was, it worked out. You got clear, positive results. Yes, we got. Yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, yeah, we had like made X number of embryos and then a lot like were not viable. And then like there was one that was viable. And then that one is all over. That's oh, brilliant. That's, yeah, that's so beautiful. And did it feel at the time was that sort of quite, um, was it quite nerve wracking? Was it just like, it right? It was. I mean, there was also the possibility of making more. So it wasn't like complete like failure if it didn't work out but um it was very nerve-wracking and it was also great to have it work out <laughs> yeah of course and did you find that you stayed in touch with um that couple as well so so in a sense but not quite so basically we have a facebook group that's like a private group where we post stuff about like we post photos of ollie and stuff and so she's part of that group so she actually gets to see updates of how he's doing and oh, everything nice. like fairly regularly so it's very nice it's like a very nice way of like 
you know, because obviously I think in the old days people would like send a card once a year or something like that. This way it's much more organic and she can watch his progress, you know, and I think, you know, it's both, you know, something that she found very meaningful and obviously for us is, you know, incredible. Utterly life-changing. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us because I, I, you're I, welcome. I didn't want to, I didn't want to pry if there was anything you didn't oh, want no. to talk about, but it is lovely yeah. to hear that story because it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's got the happiest we... of endings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a mornings man before? And if not, has this like changed your life? The difference was I wouldn't wake up early, early naturally. Now I wake up whenever my son wakes up, or even even sometimes before him, just because I'm it's. Now that I wake up early, I just get up early. What time What time are we talking about as his normal wake-up time? So when he was like a, a really little baby, you know, he would wake up several times, though we had sure. someone who helped at night for some days. Um, it sort of used to be kind of in the five to six, seven, depending. Um, yeah, he generally wakes up between six and seven a.m. So I guess in the old days... When he would go to sleep, he'd wake up every two, like three hours, and and he would become strong and powerful. <laughs> Mighty, Aww. he's a big, he's a big baby, isn't he? Yeah, he's just a, a hearty little man. He's he's proportionally totally normal. He's just very big. How tall are you, Eugene? I'm I'm like basically six feet. My wife is is five ten, which is pretty tall for okay. a woman. So his tallness comes from my wife and her side of the family. Because we're five, I'm five. Seven and you're five five, yeah. yeah. So oh. we we, I mean, we're a good half foot off you guys. Yes. Is it quite difficult um, for him looking um, bigger and older? Because um, uh, oh, I mean, a little in the sense our doctor was like, people are going to start thinking that he's dumb. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! Because they'll think he's older than he is. But overall, you know. You know, when he's at a playground and someone starts talking to him and wants, you know, and then I'm just like, oh, he's 20 months. And then they're like, oh, he just is very big. Um, and I agree with them. He doesn't have a complex about it yet. <laughs> That's really good. In elementary school and people are just like, think he's a teacher, then it'll be weird. Like. <laughs> I, I had a beard uh, when I was a freshman at uh, university. and uh, Yeah, when I arrived. And people thought I was there to teach. That's and how you do it. That's it really, I think that's really affected me. Yeah. I have found actually that what's been really nice about um, becoming pregnant and talking to friends who do have kids is I've almost felt like everyone I know is reacting against either a past generation of pressure or a past assumption of pressure. Like everyone I know is so emphatically anti-judgmental when you speak to them. Mm. Like everyone is like, listen, there's no right way to do this. We did this, but you probably won't want to do this or this, that, the other. I've not, uh, and, and maybe it's just the people I know, but at the same time, I've not encountered anyone being a dick yet. I think that it's fine. I mean, you can be mildly judgmental. It just depends how how reasonable it is. You know, if someone is... I don't know. I guess it just depends on the context. I'd need an example. So, like, if you're Michael Jackson's friends and he's dangling the baby out the window, you could be like, you know, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yes. And I think it'd be okay if you were like, I think dangling a baby is bad. I would definitely tell a friend, don't dangle your baby and not feel like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel like you're giving a good balance to all the other people from the show who who have all said you should dangle your baby. Yes. I feel like most people, just different people have slightly different ways of disciplining or whatever. I think if you don't say no to your child, you're probably 
like fooling yourself in a way that sounds not great. Like you can't let a child run amok, but also sure. at the same time, you don't have to be a jerk about it. That'd be a good, um, a good parenting book would be, don't be a jerk about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be like, be firm, but not, you know, like when our, when Oliver like sort of whines and wants something, we like, don't do it. But then once it calms down, if the thing he wanted is kind of reasonable, then we do that, you know, so that we're not encouraging behavior that's annoying. We want a pleasant child. <laughs> yeah, a nice, a nice boy. So we'll have more on this in a second. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Did you have any anxiety about, like, the political situation and having a child? That's quite heavy. I mean, yes and no, meaning I, that wasn't, I wasn't going to not have a child because uh, we are slowly destroying our planet. Um, mm. Though I do, like, worry about that. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I'm actually glad that my son is too young to, like, understand Trump, mm. you know, that yeah. he's. Like, and, and hopefully by the time he's old enough to know, it'll have been a weird thing that happened in his childhood that he doesn't quite, that he'll like learn about, but not like, but he won't come home scared every day because a dumb man has said foolish things. But so you guys probably also, you know, by the time your child is, is two, uh, you'll be back part of Europe. No, that might not happen, but you know. What's worrying about that is that it will be such a long-term thing. So I do worry that our child at 20 will be like, right, so East Anglia is underwater and we're right. begging Europe to let us back in. What did you do? And we'll be like, oh, we did a lot of nuanced comedy shows about it. <laughs> but we tried to understand the other point of view. <laughs> uh, well, I think that that, you know, everybody does what they can. Yes. But I but I think it'll be large scale policy shifts that actually make things better. Like meaning uh, it is helpful to do things on a small scale, but I think it's just the amount that making energy efficient cars or, you know, making having solar panels is helpful. It just dwarves virtually everything else. Like you could use as many paper towels as you want if you had solar panels. Like the, the <laughs> amount that would help. Not sure. that I'm not suggesting that you now splurge on paper towels. You'll probably need them though, so maybe get a few. Do you? Did you do um, biodegradable uh, nappies? I mean, or, or do they nappies? Diapers. diapers, you call them? Well, you know, meaning I we used some company that was sort of naturalish, but I don't know enough about it. Um, I know that diapers are uh, like there's tons of diapers. In the <laughs> sure, sure. You know, like anything, you can work towards what you think are things that will help the world. And I think, I mean, I think like, you know, we're in a seaside New England place and I hope that that place stays above water sure. for, for all his lifetime and maybe even the lifetimes beyond. Do you have like a plan for like how you politically educate your child? Like what do you do? Because you don't want to indoctrinate a child, but at the same no. time you, you don't want to feel like you're too laissez-faire and then they, then they go, why didn't you tell me that? This happened, you know. Right. I mean, I don't know. I think that is probably, I mean, like, I have no idea. I feel like that'll be something I navigate as he grows up. Um, I imagine that it'd be some combination of a good school system or a good school that's thoughtful 
and you know exposing him to a variety of the of ideas and um i feel like you're very practical about this sort of thing like the way you discuss these things is quite calm and it's nice to hear because it's like sometimes when i think about these things the way my thoughts go like it goes really frenetic and like oh no but this will happen actually just to go well of course the bigger picture is this and so therefore this it feels very like i don't know useful i think yeah i mean i i I probably think of it in terms of like small scale problem solving i mean i i'm mostly like concerned about the more the immediate future and then just also like how do you you know prevent a child from becoming addicted to weird stuff that's at their high school you know i just read something about like how kids are juuling which is a type of like basically it was a e-cigarette that got people to quit smoking and it's something that kids do all the time now so like when i think of when i think of like my concerns it isn't that like he's going to become like a kooky alt-right person it's that he'll quite reasonably become uh you know like try something that's addictive or weird for him at a school where everyone is doing it oh my god I hadn't even thought about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the real thing. But by the time also he's old enough for all this, these fears to come to fruition, there'll be a combination of new things and maybe ways to combat it. On yep. the other hand, smoking is way down. So, yep, like, true. I don't know, and drinking and even teen pregnancy, like a lot of things that were, you know, much bigger problems in the 70s and 80s here are, are sort of much better. Yeah, a whole new world of worries and and peril. And that hasn't even opened up to us yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, you're like, how do I make sure that he, like, votes socialist Democrat? <laughs> but really, you should be like, how do I make sure that he doesn't uh, smoke water that makes him an addict? <laughs> <laughs> how, do I, how do I make sure that in the robotized sport wars of the 2030s, exactly. he isn't selected to fight the deadly robots? You should just be like... How do I teach him that it's okay to have a pot brownie but to not go overboard? <laughs> yeah. And also, I think it's one of those things whereby I don't necessarily think to ask advice when I need it in the rest of my life. And and I think what I'm like hearing from people and what I'm trying to keep in mind is, like, you can ask for help and yeah. you can... Like, Mm. you could get people, like, you could work out somebody who could come and you can do childcare with them and stuff like that. And, like... You you 100% should do that. Meaning, also, like, I don't know what you guys plan to do in the beginning, but, like, it is sort of hard hard waking up every few hours in this sort of, like, crazy regimen of just the first sort of five, six months. And if you can either have someone come and help for a few days or hire a person to help for, for a few nights... Um, it's, it makes a huge difference because you can't function during the day if you haven't slept at night mm. and, uh, you become a sort of, uh, a bit of a wreck. Did you get a night nurse at some point? Did you say? We, we did. We did. Yeah. yeah. We had that. We at first were like, oh, we'll sort of see. And then I think after, but it just became clear that like we, we needed, we needed help like that, that I wouldn't, I wasn't quite able to, and I was largely home for the first, you know, few months, but like. In terms of working, I couldn't be like a shell of a person, and then so yeah. I I do sort of find that really interesting as well. Like, how do you get? What see? This is a prime example. Like, baby brain has fucked me up. (laughs) 
Like, it has <laughs> fucked me up. Like, I got pregnant. We got pregnant earlier than we had planned. Nice way of mm-hmm. putting it. Yeah. A, a, a yeah. delightful surprise. Uh, sure. A happy error. A happy, um, a <laughs> cheerful mistake. But um, what the, the biggest thing I found is that it's been really, really hard to not have my brain be as it normally was. It just is yeah. not operating in the same way. Mm. And I feel like, obviously, you know, a lot of that is like the all the blood is going to grow in bits and stuff like that. But it's also just yeah. like tiredness. And I think about the fact that like once the baby's born, th- that's not going to miraculously, I won't wake up on day two having had one hour sleep, be like, I've got a great idea for a screenplay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it'll be, you'll, it'll be a while of like, Especially since part of it will also be these responsibilities of, you know, just simply being with your child every few hours. And have you found that, like, the way you write or think creatively has changed since you've had a child? Um, n- not quite. Meaning I think that um, whatever is happening is what I talk about. So I could easily talk about Little League in a few years. But I don't know if it, like, changes the way necessarily I do comedy as much as it changes what's on my mind and in my life. Yeah, that makes and sense. And therefore that probably becomes part of it. That's very reassuring because I, I, I definitely worry that it, 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 I think there's a – my friend Joe said rather brilliantly, um, you know this is going to change you. But I've, she was she was saying uh, uh, that I know this is going to change me having a baby, but I'm, I've just got to a point where I really like myself. I'm really proud of who I am. I want it to change me, but I don't want it to change me. It, yes, it definitely changes you. And in certain ways, you feel like more of a grown up, probably just because there's like literally a person you're, you're, you're caring for. But I know that it changes you where you like were a good person and now you are an evil person. <laughs> you know, I don't mean to say that it isn't like a, a, a wonderful sort of big event, but it isn't like. I mean, you end up talking to people about maybe kids in a way you didn't before, but I don't know that it, I mean, I don't know if it radically changes your, like... It happens a lot in fairy tales that people become wicked. Yes. If I thought one of you was a prince or a princess or a witch, I'd be pretty concerned. (laughs) Hold that thought because we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Josie and Johnny. Um, do you feel like anyone ever gave you, like, a golden piece of advice? I forget. Mostly people, what they what largely people do is they share their own experience. So they don't necessarily say, like, this is what you should do. But they'll be like, when blah, blah, blah was two, you know, <laughs> he used to eat a lot of paint. And this is how I got him <laughs> off of paint. <laughs> and they also get what you're, like... You know, you might go like, oh, this is a concern or this is happening. You know, is there what, you know, did you have this? And but different kids, like I know people whose kids are like, you know, they're, they're in like daycare and then therefore they get sick a lot, um, which is, you know, both good and bad, meaning you, you build up an immune system. But at the same time, you know, your your whole household is ill for two years. I'm so stunned. When I think about how potent little kids are oh, yeah. in terms of illness, like they'll get a cold and they'll be sniffly, but you'll get that cold and that is you out the game. 
Yeah. The, my, our son, I think basically around January or so, plus or minus a little, got a cough. And then when we took him in to see the doctor, like at some point I took him to a doctor, like after a few weeks, and then and then he saw his like regular doctor, and his regular doctor was like, oh yeah, you're gonna, he's gonna have this cough till the spring, like it was just like he's gonna have it for four months, so but don't worry about it, he's fine. Like they checked, they listened to him, and then sure enough, basically a spring hit, like sometime I think in April, like his cough was basically gone, but he did have it for months. Because they've never had it before. So their body is like, whoa, we have to build up a whole a whole thing. Yeah, and they check to make sure that it wasn't like a serious thing that needed treatment, you know. So yeah. it's like, it's not like they're just saying it'll go away. They're just like, this isn't serious, but he will have it for three months in joy. Wow. And then you have to be like, this is my Dickensian child. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. How do you deal with like anti-vaxxers? Because I feel like it's like maybe it's more of an LA thing than a Brooklyn thing, but I could definitely see some people who are maybe a little bit kind of uh, like fashionable is the wrong word, but of of that mindset. Like, wh what do you do about that? I mean, well, I, you know, the truth is, I don't actually personally like meaning like I don't know anyone with kids who are anti-vaxxers, but yeah, those people are endangering their child and all the children around them. Um, I mean, our son, uh, it's funny, we asked our doctor, like, if, like, there, like, you know, if, if there was any reason to, like, you know, have spread out vaccines or do anything any differently. And he was like, no, they should get, like, meaning he was, he kind of was like, yeah, you could do it this way if you want. And we we're like, no, 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 we want to do whatever, like, you as a doctor think we should do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I think that the problem with someone like that is that there's plenty of information that they could show on the internet that all happens to be false that would validate their points. You can't really argue with someone who isn't actually taking science ser like correctly or seriously. Imagine having that worldview where you're like very suspicious that these people want to help sick people. I'm going to get to the bottom of that. Well, I think it starts with like, they're sort of like, well, some pharmaceutical companies like sure. are greedy and that's like, okay, that's fair. But then it goes from some pharmaceutical co companies are greedy to like the doctors are sneaking poison into babies for money. It is easier for us to have a, in Britain and throughout mainland Europe to have a more simple approach to it because we all have free nationalised healthcare. And what that means is there's no sort of transactional element in, in any of our healthcare. Um, right. So why do you guys have anti-vaxxers? God knows. Oh, because people, it is astonishing how stupid people can push through. But I don't think we have it to the same extent that you have it in America. I don't think it's as big a thing. I don't know about that because my friend's sister-in-law, oh, and I appreciate this very is very much qualified. Like here. No, no, but <laughs> I, what I'm saying is my friend's sister-in-law, who by all accounts is a very mainstream person, mm. was basically saying to my friend, oh, no, we, be we won't be vaccinating our children because the risk is too high. And the sad thing is, is the real risk is not that they're going to have an autistic child. It's that your child is going to get the measles or something yeah. that will be like. There's lots of stories here of people who didn't vaccinate their kids and then their kids got terrible illnesses. And then they were like, I should have vaccinated them. Like it's. The, the actual, the logic of, like, it's dangerous is is deeply flawed. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for talking to us. I'm sorry that I spent five minutes asking about anti-vaxxers. I don't even know why I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
We'll keep your children away from them. Sure. I mean, that's also a great example of someone. It's totally okay to judge an anti-vaxxer. They are definitely wrong and it is very dangerous. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Exactly. It's like, obviously, you're not going to judge someone who says, well, we really want to co-sleep or, well, we definitely won't co-sleep or, well, we only want to feed them in this way and we definitely won't. Yeah. And <laughs> um, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really yes, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really hope you enjoy it. You can find us personally. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Josie Long. I'm on Instagram. I'm at Josie Long. I'm also at JosieLong.com. You can find me at Johnny Donahoe um, uh, or JohnnyDonahoe.co.uk. I don't know why I don't have .com. I should get it. Couldn't shell out for the I big couldn't, bucks. The extra $8 it would have been. What a what a waste. And of course, you can also find Eugene Merman online. Uh, he's on Twitter at Eugene Merman. Uh, he does the brilliant podcast, Hold On. You could just Google him. You'll find all kinds of stuff. I remember very distinctly that he was the first comedian I ever encountered who had a really funny website. In about 2004, he had these incredible videos and pictures and stuff. 2004, he yeah. had a good website. But also it was an event to go on his website. It was like, let's all go and have a look at Eugene Merman's brilliant website. If, if brilliant websites are the thing, do you think I should shell out for johnnydonahoe.com? I think .co.uk gives you a competitive edge. I think it does. If you enjoyed the show and you want to hear more, what you can do is sign up for Stitcher Premium and you can hear every single episode of Josie and Johnny are having a baby. With you. And it's ad-free and it's before anyone else. And if you want to have a free month of listening, you can go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash baby and use the promo code baby. And that will sort you right out. That will really sort you out. But not just that, there's so many other shows you could listen to. There's all kinds of exciting content and it's really worth you doing. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking to some other very important uh, comics and people who have had children already. So make sure you subscribe to us at Stitcher, Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you like to listen. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have been Josie and Johnny. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Stitcher.